Welcome to MMO, the Mike Mike and Oscar show. They cover films then, win the gold, but now we're talking picks up films for all of these shows. From Toy Story 1 up through Toy Story 4, this is the MMO, the Pixar Rewatch Show. And we're back for what will be the second to last time, maybe third to last, debating if we have a, a countdown or a re-rank episode like we've been talking about behind the scenes, but... Mm-hmm. We're doing Toy Story 3. We're coming to the end of this Pixar rewatch series that we started way back on April like 15th or 17th. It was near tax day, I remember, was our first one. So this two-month-long odyssey, it nears its end like a cowboy riding off into the sunset. Maybe most appropriately, that's it's that's how we'll go sweet. here. Yeah, it is. It's, this was, I don't know what we're going to watch now. <laughs> we might have some free nights. We get some Tarantino movies, but this <laughs> is like a nice balancing act. Like, we never just did all Tarantino yet. Right. Like, I'm a little afraid for that. Where Where is our headspace going to be? Just come into the recordings, call little dueling katanas sitting across yeah. from one another. Because, <laughs> you know, last week was a perfect example. We had Jackie Brown, but we also had Toy Story 2 to balance it right. out. Right, right. It was a perfect palate cleanser. They, they, they both... Yin and we, yang. Yeah. yeah. It was great. And now we're just going to lean hard into senseless gore and violence. We are. <laughs> and it's going to show on the pod. Yeah. It's going to sound like it. But before we get there, we are doing Toy Story 3. This is part of the Disney Pixar. I keep saying Disney Pixar. It's not. It's just Pixar. Pixar Rewatch Series as brought to you by MMO. Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am co-host Mike One. That was co-host also Mike. We have yep. a big thank you to get out of the way right at the top of the show here. Ryan L. Terry, we refer to him all the time on this show. He's a friend of the pod. We've had him on. He actually was our guest reviewer when we did uh, the remade Pet Cemetery movie. Yep. That was a fun time for us and, and enjoyed having him on he was nice enough to send us a toy story 3 blu-ray the studio commemorative edition of the blu-ray for toy story 3 which includes a a nice thank you from bob Iger on the back there's no upc symbol it's got a different uh, like a collector's sleeve on it really really cool of him that's what i watched this movie on he sent it to us just as a gesture just you know as a means of saying thank you for doing the pixar stuff he used to work for disney uh and i guess they uh they handed these out to their employees so that was really cool of him we really appreciate that i said thank you in the dms but i just wanted to put it on the pod as well we both wanted to say thank you to ryan for that sweet gesture that was awesome yeah so by way of shout out here uh, you know go visit ryan at rlterryrealview.com he's covering all kinds of uh, horror movies current films and for the record he just did another guest appearance at cinemusts on their episode about the birds and jaws so multiple friends of the pod there yeah. so check them out Really, really cool. And once again, thank you very, very much for that, Ryan. Sweet gesture. Uh, For those of you that are joining us for the Toy Story 3 rewatch, if you've not joined us before for a Pixar rewatch series as part of this Mike, Mike, and Oscar rewatch series that we're doing, how these episodes work, they're basically similar to our Oscar sprint profiles in that the overall, uh, uh, overall... Layout, structure, layout, format. That's it. Uh, is in two parts. We have a non-spoiler <laughs> section, a spoiler <laughs> warning, and then a spoiler section. So if you've not seen these movies yet, I couldn't think of the word. I'm sorry. We're just getting so lazy with the reviews. Usually, like, Toy Story 1, we would retake this, like, four times until yeah. Mike would spit it out perfectly. Now he's just like, give me the word. Just, line. Just say it. Line. <laughs> 
It's getting near the end of the series. The non-spoiler section is how we start all these, so if you've not seen the movie yet, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything in the first half of all these episodes. What we do is we go into the box office, we talk about the specs of the movie, the production values, all that fun stuff. Also, to differentiate this non-spoiler half from our other Oscar Sprint profile, our Tarantino ones, what we do is we focus on the history of Pixar, so we go through basically snapshots in time of where the company was at every point each one of these movies came out. Then we have, like I said, the spoiler warning. That's usually a clip from the movie itself. And we have the spoiler section. And the spoiler section is when we talk about our happiness and heartbreaks and things we liked and didn't like about the film. And we go through the plot, obviously. But we also start every spoiler section to differentiate it by concentrating on one of the 22 rules of screenwriting success that Pixar had released a couple years ago that have been permeating their way throughout screenwriting classes across the country. That is what we have in store for you today for Toy Story 3, our penultimate really review episode sure. in the Pixar Rewatch series. The way we start all of these Rewatch series episodes is Mike is going to run down the cast and crew. Toy Story 3 was directed by Lee Unkrich, who was the co-director on a couple movies, Toy Story 2, Monsters Incorporated, and Finding Nemo. Toy Story 3 is his first solo directorial effort before taking solo directorial credit on his next film, Coco. We reviewed a couple pods ago. Sure. Story for Toy Story 3 was by John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and of course Lee Unkrich, with screenplay credit going to Michael Arndt of Little Miss Sunshine, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. He had a period of time, and he kind of is still this guy, where he's the fixer yeah. of many big budget screenplays, Mr. Michael Arndt, and this was definitely a point of pride for his career, and something where... I was like, all right, Michael Arndt's the man. Yeah. After I saw this movie and, and saw this screenplay come together, I remember him from Little Miss Sunshine. There was all the fables about how many drafts he actually mm -hmm. wrote of Little, Little Miss Sunshine. He said like hundreds. He I was the guy that was. was just like, I'm going to sell this script. Yeah, it's and a tall gave tale. up life until he, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an awesome story. Now he's the guy that every major studio brings in to fix their blockbuster. Sure. And he proves he can do it here, Michael. Mm. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, Don Rickles, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger yet again, <laughs> Estelle Harris, and Laurie Metcalf all come back from the first two Toy Story movies as Woody, Buzz, Jesse, Mr. Potato Head, Rex, Ham, Mrs. Potato Head, and Andy's mom. Didn't they have the boys are back in town? Was that with the BTO on all the uh, trailers there? Yeah. Maybe that was, was that the second one. This one was two. Yeah, I can't one remember. It was two. one of them, yeah. But look at the additions to this cast. Legendary character actor Ned Beatty plays lots of Hug and Bear. Yeah. Beatty's an Oscar nominee from Network. He's also known from Deliverance, Superman. And most of all, for me, he is Rudy's dad from Rudy, the football movie. Now, you had Ned Beatty. You had the, the connection to Deliverance. And you actually have a movie with a pig in it. How do you not take advantage of that? Oh, that would have been a dark <laughs> setup. <laughs> if, if lots of hugging bear yeah. was like making a... Seriously, you can oh make a, a little joke about it for the adults in the room. The adults, uh, this adult would have slapped his knee. Let's just say that much. We have Batman and Birdman's Michael Keaton. He plays Ken, as in Barbie's Ken. The more we do this, the more I realize Keaton never really went anywhere. Like, yeah. I thought in my head he left totally. and then had a couple comebacks, like I think I said a couple episodes ago. He's in all of these properties still. He's in everything yeah. constantly. And I thought there was like a lull yeah, when he fell off the face yeah. of the earth after that filmography that we did for him on Jackie Brown. We, Absolutely we not. We need the to stop taking him for granted. He is He's an American treasure. The man gets it in. Yeah. Former James Bond from License to Kill and from my favorites, Hot Fuzz, 
and going back to a childhood favorite, Mike, the Rocketeer. Oh, we have yeah. Timothy Dalton. He was only hired for one line in this movie, and I appreciated it. <laughs> he, of course, plays Mister Pricklehead, yes. Bonnie's porcupine, <laughs> the last man on Earth. Kristen Shaw, one of the all-time great voices, mm-hmm. currently working today. Why is she's not a voice actress and everything? Yeah, I don't know, but. Kristen Shaw plays Trixie the Triceratops, and I'm one of the best voice a- actors because of my enunciation today. I'm really working hard. <laughs> Good job. Proud of I you. I got coffee without cream, so I'm yeah, like this the whole time. It was also the second take of that line. That's right. <laughs> Damn it. Threw me right under the bus. Anyway, Wally and Curb Your Enthusiasm's Jeff Garland. He is Buttercup the Unicorn, Mike. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> giant man. Yeah. Unicorn. <laughs> Famed voice actress Jody Benson plays Barbie. Benson was Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. From Enchanted. How about that? Going back into the Disney vault to get some of the OG voice actors. Another one here. Famed voice actor Bud Lucky plays Chuckles the Clown. What Lucky is Eeyore. And he's Rick Dicker from The Incredibles. Oh, no kidding. Did you know his I name did, was Rick Dicker? Did not. Now you do. And it's Bud Lucky as well? Bud Lucky. So this is a man in witness protection. <laughs> this is a man <laughs> who probably is Rick Dicker yeah. in real life. Adam Sandler movie regular, farmer Fran from Waterboy, for those who need a visual. Blake Clark. <laughs> plays Slinky Dog doing his impersonation of the late, great Jim Varney. Yes. Ernest Goes to Heaven. Spin City's Richard Kind is Bookworm. And friggin' Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg is Stretch. Can you believe that? Had you any idea? She was the big purple stretchy thing. That was her? Yes. Oh, I did not even know that. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Okay. Toy Story 3 also stars John Morris. Mike, get this. This is the first production nugget, by the way. Mm -hmm. The original Andy from the first movie that they found, sought out and found. That is awesome. And it was a big story on a featurette where they they called his cell phone. Mm -hmm. Luckily, they got his answering machine. And Leon Critch, when he called it, was like, Oh, thank God it still sounds like him. He's like, I'm going to hire him. He's like, I knew I was going to hire him when I heard his answering machine. The kid was in college or something. Yeah, sure. Just getting out. That's awesome. And that's really cool. So, Bea Miller, Javier Fernandez Pena, Lori Allen, John Sagan, Jan Rabson, and famous from TV and now voice actress in eight Pixar hit films, Bonnie Hunt is Dolly. They also start. She's been getting work for sure. Pixar kind of gave her a second life as well. Uh, just quick edit about what I said before. I said it was the director on the back. As soon as Mike said Lee Unkrich was the director of this, I realized I'm an idiot. It's Bob Iger who gives the quote on the back of the uh, commemorative edition of Toy Story 3, which is cool. Him, the CEO of Disney at the time, obviously. And that's going to come into play when we talk about the history of Pixar, which is where we're going to go right now. Nice. Uh, this sequel was a massive chess piece in the battle between Pixar and Disney. And we talked about yeah. that whole ordeal in great length in the section of our last Pixar episode covering the Cars trilogy. Please do check that out. The pre-production of that movie is literally responsible for the current state of basically every major brand in entertainment from ESPN to Disney Pixar to the MCU to Star Wars. It's amazing, and it all gets tied into Cars of all movies. It's a better story than Cars in all movies. No argument. Yeah. <laughs> no comparison. I agree. Of uh, to recap quickly, though, Disney retained the rights to greenlight the third Toy Story movie and basically had Pixar over a barrel with regards to that. Michael Eisner, then Disney CEO, figured one of two things would happen. Either Pixar would not be involved at all in the production of the film for Toy Story 3 and Disney would handle both the movie and 100% of its profits. 
Or, in the alternative, Pixar would feel obligated to participate, not wanting to miss out on what was sure to be a massive box office, and in doing so would basically be making a seventh movie for Disney, even though the contract between the two companies was only for five movies. It's complicated, it's complex. Again, do go listen to the History of Pixar section from our Cars episode. We get way more in-depth about how that all came to pass there. Power plays. Absolutely. Massive power plays. Huge chess match. Anyway, after the splitting of the two companies in 2004, Eisner, surely enraged at Steve Jobs and Pixar, Darren to call his bluff over the matter constructed Circle 7 Animation which was to be a separate animation studio under the Disney umbrella and would be responsible for everything regarding the production of Disney's not Pixar's but Disney's Toy Story 3. Circle 7's version of the film actually made it through parts of pre-production and had a couple versions of scripts and stories batted around as also Mike is going to get to at the end of this as Eisner's House of Mouse eyed a release date of 2008. Of course, best laid plans of mice and men often go awry and when you're dealing with the plans of the most famous mice and a stubborn man that's probably doubly true eisner was relieved of his ceo duties of disney and eventually was replaced by bob Iger, who mended fences with pixar and immediately scrapped the circle seven animation studios altogether in the process with that move toy story's second sequel ended up back in the rightful hands of the studio who created magic with the first two iterations of the franchise and it would prove to be a prudent move for all involved But honest to God, that's like 5% of the story that got this company to this place. And the other 95% involves lies, deceit, betrayal, a chess match between billionaires, congressional hearings, grown men throwing temper tantrums, self-sabotage, and asking for the world at certain points. You can hear it all for free in our History of Pixar section in our Cars episode that's going to give you way more detail about how this movie came to be uh, than this little section here. But that's kind of the abridged version for you. I, I love how it all calls back to that seminal moment. Basically, the history of the world has to do with, like, there's the Big Bang, and yeah. then there's the Cars pre-production. There's a spaceman and a cowboy doll. Right. That's it. That's that's how we all came to be the where we are. spaceman and the cowboy dolls, kids. And by, legend has it. Yeah, that's... They made a very angry man a lot of money. A couple of them, actually. That's fascinating. I I have one production nugget, and it's about the Circle 7 script that was initially greenlit for Toy Story 3, Mm -hmm. Mike. We had Buzz Lightyear being shipped back to his manufacturer in Taiwan because of all these malfunctions that he was going through in Act 1 of this thing. So... He goes out there. That sounds fascinating. It turns into a recall situation. Yeah. Or Woody finds out that it turns into a recall. So he takes the gang. They all go to Taiwan and they save Buzz. Now, on his face, that's absurd. But we've already seen them capably infiltrate an airplane headed for an international market. That happened in Toy Story 2, so it's not a stretch of the imagination that they could get there. That isn't too bad, either. No. I, I would agree. There's a lot of playland there for Pixar to work their magic with, but it wasn't Pixar, obviously. I think, Seven. I think Arndt had access to some of their screenwriting ideas, because okay. in that script, they escaped from the daycare, right. which I think... That's interesting. Was, you know, was Certainly plays up. a role here, yeah, without question. All right, Mike, uh, that's all I got for production nuggets. You got some specs here. Talk about specs for Toy Story 3, directed by Lee Unkrich, written by John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Unkrich. They all get story by credits, Michael, Ar- like Michael already told you. Gets the lone screenplay by credit. These are all very important names of very important men you have heard at some point in this series before. Do we think Lee Unkrich is the Pixar MVP after these last... It's got to be him or who, Doctor? Him, Doctor, and Stanton are definitely... 
I would take those three over one John Lasseter, I think. They're the tri- new, new triumvirate. Yeah. Which yeah. may be sacrilege because Lasseter kind of started the whole ball of wax. But True. It seems like those three have their hands in every Pixar they buy. They have taken the torches. Right. Oh, so without far. question. Yeah. I would absolutely co sign that. Uh, June 12th, 2010, at the Tower Mina Film Festival, which is where this film debuted. It also went wide in the U.S. on June 18th. It's a 103 minute runtime on a G rating. Daria K. Anderson is the lone listed producer on Wikipedia. Randy Newman is back again to do the music. Jeremy Lasky and Kim White do the cinematography. Ken Schretzman does the editing, as he did as part of the editing department. Toy Story 2, but had graduated to main editor for the first time for Pixar back on Cars 1, and because of the backstory we did in that episode, I didn't have a chance to shout him out, so I'm doing so now, and I'm happy to do so here. Walt yeah. Disney Pictures and Pixar Animation Studios are the listed production companies, and Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures are the distributors, of course. This movie is the greatest movie ever made, and <laughs> critics agree. An 8.3 IMDb rating on nearly 700,000 reviews. That's good for 104 on the IMDb Top 250 Movies list, and ties the film too with, low. The, with the likes of Citizen Kane, Braveheart, and Vertigo. Still too low. But as we all know from math class, an 8.3 rounded up is basically a perfect 10 anyway. 98% certified fresh rotten tomato score on 303 critic scores, yeah. but due to a little known rule, you're actually allowed to ignore any five rotten tomato critic reviews you choose, and doing that just so happens to mean that this score's a perfect 100 there. So who are those 2% worth? It's, it's five, five. five critics. It's five critics that five, said this is exactly a rotten movie. Critics. Do not see this movie. Can you imagine having seen everything? You got, if you're a critic, you have to watch, what, 50% at least of what comes out, and usually like 75% of major motion pictures. And you're going to say this movie <laughs> in comparison. You know, what? If you're a critic in 2010, I don't mean to cut you off, but you had to have seen Battlefield Earth, right? <laughs> Very true. But one critic, one negative review I remember hearing about, okay. all the, uh, you know, the stuff I watched for this on YouTube, mm-hmm. basically from some New York publication, and he basically said like this was the most manipulative movie ever. It was so formulaic that he was basically angry that these toys made him cry or something. <laughs> No, this movie is toxic. so good, it's just so overtly manipulative. I don't understand why people say toxic masculinity is a thing. Oh, God. How dare I feel feelings? How dare you make me feel, you jerk. Uh, um, it's also got an 89% audience score on 600,000 plus reviews on Rotten Tomato, but an 89 is basically a 90, which is only five away from a 95, which we all know if you were to round up by counting by tens, means it's 100 for all intents and purposes. Uh, and finally, it did get a perfect 100 meta rating on Metascore. I mean, the site says it's actually a 92, but I know in my heart it really meant to put 100, so that's what I'll report here. Uh, this is all just simple math. Wasn't your mom a math teacher? She wasn't a math teacher. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously. English and Spanish uh, later on, ironically. Okay, good. <laughs> the critic scores were all very high, and this movie, like all highly scored Pixar movies, also crushed the box office. It had a $200 million production budget and ended up doing $1.066 billion, billion at the wow. worldwide box office, including $415 million of that, or roughly 30 percent of it coming domestically that's going to break down to about five dollars and 33 cents gross for every one dollar put into production that's decent over under mike is it going to make that on toy story i'm 4? wondering uh look it's gonna be so close. it would have to be the second highest grossing picture worldwide ever for pixar to do that projected right now at 100 to 150 million that's probably not enough toy story 3 had a 110 million dollar domestic opening okay so 150, you would think, is on its way to a lot. All right. Right? That should do 1.4. It I'm has to do better than Aladdin. 
Neither our moms were math teachers. This is what has been revealed today. It's $415 million domestic box office, this of Toy Story 3. It's good for that movie to be the highest grossing Toy Story film thus far. The third highest grossing Pixar film ever, though it's actually the second highest grossing Pixar film worldwide. It's the fifth highest grossing animated film ever. It even sits in the top 30 as it ranks at number 28 among the highest grossing worldwide films ever. Period, even though at the end of its theatrical run, it actually sat as the fourth highest grossing film ever in 2010. Uh, no surprise to hear then that it finishes the highest grossing film both domestically and worldwide for the year of 2010. And with this movie, we finally have our fourth of the four Pixar films to win multiple Oscars. But when you're dealing with a film that scored a perfect 10 and perfect 100 across the board of multiple sites, what do you expect? These forced review score jokes doing anything for you, Mike? What? No. <laughs> I'll move on. <laughs> of course, Toy Story 3 won animated feature, but it also would win Best Original Song for We Belong Together, making the second time a Pixar film would win that category, the first since Monsters, Inc. in 2001, and Coco would also repeat the feat seven years later as well as we've discussed. Mike, I'm happy to report that Randy Newman sings like Randy Newman gives Oscar speeches. Is that good? He sounds like Randy <laughs> Newman on the Oscar stage. I just could watch the YouTube video and tell me I'm wrong. He's just like, yeah, you do it. Yeah. Oh, Thank boy. you, Academy. <laughs> Shooby dooby. He is the one his family FYI. wants to talk to in Thanksgiving. I zoned out for your joke earlier, but I, I'm you here focused for that. on that one. That. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Toy Story 3 was also nominated for sound editing, which it lost to Inception, adapted screenplay, which it lost to the social network, and best picture, which it ended up losing to the King's Speech, marking the film as the third and most recent animated film to make the cut along with The Lion King and Up to receive a best picture nomination at the Academy Awards. Yeah, we're going to look at those, those via Oscar lenses coming up soon. Yeah. Plot premise reads, Michael, the toys are mistakenly delivered to a daycare center instead of the attic right before Andy leaves for college. And it's up to Woody to convince the other toys that they weren't abandoned and to return home. Heavy, right? It also takes you right through the first act, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, so you're giving away the, the little bit of what's going so on. So did there. the trailers, for that matter. Otherwise, I think it's a little, in a rated G film, it's a little too suspenseful, too early. I think people got to get comfortable. Oh, all right. Well, they certainly uh, they set the stage for you there. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. How about your expectations going into this rewatch? I know we both were very high on this movie. I expected to be near tears, and I was near tears. I was. Near tears. <laughs> I had issues. This is a great movie. I had issues. I I remember watching this. I think I was in this room we are currently sitting in the first time I watched it. I didn't watch it in theaters. I remember I was home, and I I, I just remember thinking how can an animated film be doing this to me they're toys yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're animated toys I, I look it was my second favorite movie of that year there based on my stupid list yeah and i think it's a stupid list because how is it not my number one what was number one I think social network gl glorious bastards oh. or social network i forget what year it was that was the year that the social network didn't win only one adapted screenplay and i was furious and yet we're gonna look yeah. at that in a second we're gonna be like oh, okay yeah. well, you know Toy it's Story better than 3. the king's speech it's better than the king's speech yeah. correct <laughs> so this rewatch i had the highest of expectations sure and it exceeded them i i after studying all these films i am so happy i, I can't tell you I'm going to stumble over my words because I'm going to be gushing so much. If Just... Toy Story 4 can approach these levels, it has to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. 
And I haven't heard... I've seen a lot of stuff online and on film Twitter about people ranking the Toy Stories, and Toy Story 4 usually isn't up there. I hope it is. I, I, we, I can't wait to get our hands on it. I'm but. guessing it's going to be more Toy Story 2-like. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking... Guess. Maybe Toy Story 1 I'm hoping more Toy Story 1, but yeah, I'm thinking the same. I'm with you. Let's get into a review of the production values, Mike. A couple animation innovations. They had thousands and thousands of moving parts in one scene in the finale of this movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but that is absolutely incredible. They basically doubled down on the program of all the extras that they had from A Bug's Life. Doubled down, tripled down on it, and now we have everything moving all at once in every square of the frame in a kid's movie cartoon. So Toy Story 3 was the 11th Pixar film to come out. I I think it's one of the best looking still, even today. It's almost like Ratatouille a little bit with the lighting. Yeah. I think the lighting is really realistic in this movie, really realistic. There's some, the the finale, the lighting looks awesome. The, the, there's a scene where Buzz has to infiltrate a vending machine and he has to kind of peer around the corner in the hallway and it just the lighting looks spectacular. Everything the in those hallways yeah. is like it's dusk, like the kids are getting gonna get picked up from daycare. Yep. So it's almost dusk. And they, they, yeah, the shadows are hitting everything. It looks spectacular. It, it really does. And there's, there's greens and whatnot. There's also so much on screen at any one time. I just thought the production design is phenomenal. Can you believe this movie came out before Cars 2? Really? Like a year before Cars 2, for the mess that we think Cars 2 is, <laughs> not only just in story, but also this movie looks so much better than Cars 2 to me. Do you think that they just figured like Lassiter would shepherd that movie and everybody else went to Toy Story 3 and worked on that? I don't know. I don't have an answer. That could be, I guess, but my God. Wow. But in terms of the production design, Andy's room, so much detail. The daycare, Mike. I could just freeze frame and just click slow motion and watch every single shot of the daycare. I was mesmerized in stills of this movie when I was creating the collage before I came here today. Just, it's so dense. Yeah. There's so much there in every single shot. And that's the the hallmark of Pixar is that they get, they throw themselves into the obscure and they really didn't let anything with any setting go. And that daycare looks like an actual, honestly, looks better than the daycare I went to. Alfonso Cuaron's (laughs) Roma has got nothing on this movie. (laughs) And if you think about it, it's the same thing because you have Lee Unkrich from all of the YouTube videos that I watched based on Easter eggs and whatnot. He put like his high school pennant in here oh, yeah? there's like street signs in andy's room that really mean the old street where that the, the original pixar headquarters was pu means pixar university there's all these <laughs> easter eggs to, to all these little details that all these animators just slaved over and made sure they put in it's really genius and i, I just love watching this movie and re-watching this movie yeah. because of that i'm with it's you just the details and tremendous it's not a mistake that the more people involved that actually care about perfecting. And you know, look, we talked about how, oh, it's a little ridiculous that something like $100 million from Men in Black International flopped so badly and people obviously didn't care. And what happened? Monday, a report came out in The Hollywood Reporter that talked about all the infighting and rewriting and all the stuff that went on behind the scenes oh, in that God. movie. So when you care, when you have a singular vision and a method and you're working towards a common goal, it matters in movies. And I don't know how many times we need to see that to prove it, but it matters. And they cared about this and it showed and it jumps off the screen. Pixar's gestation period for these films, creating the stories, works. Yeah. And Hollywood, the way they do it, most of the time, or at least half of the time, it does not work. Yeah. And it's kind of like a lap, maybe it's two last seconds. 
Maybe they should commission things so much earlier and then stick with the people they commission it with. I don't know. But I do know that Pixar went to Dancing with the Stars to get all of the Latin dancing in this movie. <laughs> they recorded those dances and they had them specifically choreographed interviewing these Dancing with the Stars celebrities. I'm sorry I don't know their names. <laughs> yes, I've watched the show. Yes, it's brilliant. Yes, it's wonderful. I don't remember the names. But she, she mentioned that she couldn't lift her hands higher than Jesse's hat, what her hat would be. So they had to really frame the choreography to fit the toys. Ah! And they made all those special constraints for the dance. And then, of course, Pixar recorded the dance. They animated the It's dance. one of the funnier scenes in the movie, too. I was laughing at it. Brilliant. Mike, the music... Oscar winning, We Belong Together, excuse me, We Belong Together, <laughs> one with Randy Newman in charge of it, Coming Home from Country Strong, If I Rise from 127 Hours, I See the Light from Tangled, this one's the best, or do you, did, do you like the Tangled song? I don't even remember the Tangled song, to be honest with you. I've so never I'm seen not, Tangled, yeah. that's the one Disney Animation Studios film, literally the one i never seen. As far as songs go, I mean, was this one a worthy awards winner? That's fine. They love giving Randy Newman Oscars anyway, so I don't really have a problem with he it. It's funny, man. He's like, I've been up here 20 times. <laughs> Shooby dooby, I only won one. But twice. this is the better way to do mainstream songs in a Pixar movie and not stuff them in the opening like Cars try to. But you have like the freak out. Oh, freak out. You have that song. Yeah. You have Dreamweaver when Barbie sees Ken and vice versa. Like they actually worked those mainstream songs into the plot, which I appreciated. They played a role. Absolutely. They are. For jokes, mostly. Yeah. But there's also a terrific score, too. Yes, like, there is. I, I actually... It, play, it, it plays on your emotions. That right. guy that hated was, this movie was right. <laughs> I was not score deaf this time. No. It really worked. And from the suspense of it all, they didn't select soundtrack songs for the suspense. Instead, they have hilarious human being, Randy <laughs> Newman, going Hitchcock on us. Yeah. And just creating this ultimate suspense score. It's brought a further appreciation for, like, like we all know Randy Newman as that singer-songwriter, the guy, but the fact that he's... We watch Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that I, I've grown a whole new appreciation for what yeah. he's able to do as a, I guess, an orchestral conductor yeah. <laughs> and so actually scoring films, he's phenomenal. Did an incredible job here. Let's uh, jump into the performances now, Mike. 302 characters in this film. That is massive. Sell those toys! Yeah. Sell those toys! I want to start with the humans first, though, yeah. if we could. As for Andy, I do understand why he would become this maladjusted young adult who lashes out at people who love him. Because, Mike, he played with toys instead of having friends his whole life. As the intro states. How do I know this? Because I played with toys instead of having friends my whole life. What were your toys? G.I. Joe's. Yeah. Starting lineup figures. I can't. I had the wrestling you. toys too that people were posting on Twitter. That's the other where I'm day. going with this. Yeah. I can't tell you. I think I was like 15 before I stopped bringing my ring and my wrestling action <laughs> figures with me on family vacations. Oh so, no! Oh yeah, I was I was cool. You were cool, <laughs> according to you. That's all that mattered. But yeah, we we're a little ornery. Yeah. in our teenage years <laughs> and we our 30s, <laughs> we don't know how to relate to other people that we don't control with our own minds. Yes. Is is the Andy character at 18 a little too attached to these toys still? Well, that's my whole point. Right. Like, yeah. 
He is, 100,000%. Right? Because even as an 18-year-old going to college, if I had to throw out my wrestling figures, I did at some point, right? Like, Look, these toys should have been in the attic seven right, years ago. exactly. Not <laughs> still there just in case yeah. maybe he, you know. And he's going to bring his doll to college? The Woody doll. Could you imagine being the roommate of the kid who walks in with the doll your first year of college? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course not. It'd be ridiculous. What's wrong right? with that? It'd be ridiculous. Never happened. I never did it. Good. Good. Then we're on the same page. Stop looking at me like that. No, I, I think uh, I think Andy's crazy. He's a little crazy. He's not doing well. He's he's a little maladjusted. But there's reason for it. You know, single mom, apparently. There's this whole backstory. People from Screen Rant came up with this theory or whatever. They had a video mm-hmm. where they were talking about this theory where Andy's dad loved Woody as a kid. And I've seen this online. Andy's yeah. mom, unnamed mom, is Emily from Toy Story 2. They fell in love because they both loved this uh. set of toys growing up. Father dies. That's why the kid is so attached, and that's why the mother is so attached. I've seen I've seen plenty of websites go with the uh, assumption that Andy's father Andy's mother is not single because by by a divorce, but right. because Andy's father did pass. I have seen that quite often. Yeah, I don't know if it's yeah. true. Maybe, but uh, I do have a, a nugget later on about the garbage man, which is interesting. All right, all right. Let's get into the toys. What we really care about. Woody and Buzz are so freaking heroic in this movie. It makes me emotional. Like, they're super heroic. In the last movie, for some reason, it didn't connect with me. But freaking Tom Hanks summed it up best, Mike. Whatever Woody does, he does with 100% commitment. Whether he decides he's got to help somebody or if he decides to run away, you got to love him, basically, for that. He's, right. he's the de facto superhero here. He even goes back for the bad guy at the end. He just heroic in every core. Yeah. And to me, his run, and as a track coach, I would know this, the way he runs completely encapsulates his whole character. He is like a sprinter just getting out of the starting blocks, Michael. Huge arms <laughs> above the head, huge legs and knee drive. I love Woody's run so much, and I love Woody. Well, that's actually a, a good place to end, finally, because you've had so many criticisms about other characters in running. these movies no, running. Seriously, yeah. So that's, that's nice that we finally found a nice landing spot for you. Now, a one negative, I do think... The Jesse character continuously becomes damsel in distress too much, even in this movie. Surprise. I don't disagree, but the, I felt because of how Barbie was treated in this, I was not as opposed to it. Because right. Barbie is kind of given a lot of scenes to prove she's she's way too good for these toys. True. <laughs> she's one of the most intelligent beings. She's one of the most capable beings. She's one of the most deceitful beings. Yeah. She, she's awesome. But so. even through... Th- Toy Story 3, I think they're recognizing this fact. Yes. The damsels in distress are often the male characters as well. Buzz Lightyear and, and Woody, mm. I mean, they're, you know, they're the object or the objective of a lot of missions, uh, rescue missions. However, I think they're going to fix it with Bo Peep being like a super ninja and Keanu Reeves, ironically, is her super ninja boyfriend. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Keanu Reeves, man, just doing work. And Bo Peep's not in this. They explain her away. She was sold at a uh, toy sale at some point. That's That was sad in the beginning. Yeah. The only non-spoiler script thoughts, I, I just want to ask you about this Oscar category. You have the social network winning for Aaron Sorkin's script based on the accidental billionaires. 
127 Hours, True Grit, and Winter's Bone also involved. But basically, this is between, for me, Toy Story 3 and The Social Network. What is the better script? One's innovative. One is perhaps the tightest hero's journey kind of thing. It's just, just textbook on how to do it. Great. King Speech had no business in in this these Oscars. One of these movies should have won Best Picture. The other one should have won Screenplay. Uh, between the Social Network and Toy Story three, and the King Speech had to be the turd in the punch bowl. I'm sorry, it's a fine movie. It's not to the caliber of those two. Yeah. So I, I know that's a coward's way out of answering the question. Well, the I King, think I would have given yeah. Sorkin the screenplay, and then that means this would have been one Best Picture. The for King me. Speech could have won Best Actor. It would have been played. fine. Whatever. Get out of Colin here. Colin Firth is terrific. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I- I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. That's a fair trade. So let's talk Best Picture 2 here. Obviously, we just kind of hit on it a little, but King's Speech ended up winning. But 127 Hours was nominated. Black Swan was nominated as well. The Fighter, nice. Inception. The Kids Are All Right. Big Year. Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, Winter's Bone. Ten. Yeah, ten. Uh, a lot of good ones. Black Swan has a case for uh, Best Picture 2, I would say. But... I love Black Swan. Yeah. There's, there's a, something for almost everybody. I was not a fan of Winter's Bone, I would say. I get it. It was just way too slow for me. Yeah, Winter's Bone, not a best picture, even though I really like Deborah Granick. Which of these, we'll go one by one, which of these are a better movie than Toy Story 3 in your eyes? 127 Hours or Toy Story 3? Toy Story 3. Black Swan or Toy Story 3? That is a little tougher, but I I did rank Toy Story 3 above it. The Fighter or Toy Story 3? Toy Story 3. I agree with that, but Christian Bale, I think, was a worthy winner of the supporting actor category. Inception or Toy Story 3? Inception, to me, is a very good first watch. I have trouble re-watching it, so I'm definitely saying it's Toy Story 3. Okay. Kids are all right at Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, even though it's a cute movie. I agree. I think it's Toy Story 3 running away. Uh, We'll save that one. We'll go True Grit or Toy Story 3. It's definitely Toy Story 3. I like True Grit, though. Winter's Bone, we just yeah. said Toy Story 3, and The King's Speech, we both say Toy Story 3. Are you with 3. me on those, or do you have one that's The only, I, I haven't seen Inception in quite some time. That's the only one I would quarrel with, but I, uh, you say it, it deteriorates on rewatch, and I haven't had that experience and yet. And I so. haven't wanted to rewatch it again or right, know, yeah, I mean, the third or fourth time. Well, yeah. of the Nolan movies, it's yeah. certainly not one of the top ones, I agree, at least not as far as what I want to rewatch. Black Swan, I'm a huge, I hated it the first time I watched it, loved it on rewatch, so that would be an interesting fight, but the biggest battle for me, and I think for you as well the social network versus toy story 3 two very addictive films yeah. two films that are on opposite ends of the spectrum i would say based on that screenplay category yeah right because it comes down to that they're so different so very different you're absolutely right if best animated feature did not exist would toy story of three have won best picture that's a great question that's a great question What's or you should have given... Why the King speech? God damn it. Tom Hooper, too, won Best Director. The like, compromise if you, candidate if you go, again. If you go Fincher Director... Uh, Fincher Director, Sorkin Screenplay, and then you can go Animated Feature yeah. and Best Picture Toy Story and 3, I would have been happy. I do enjoy the King speech. I do. It's a fine... Yeah, it's a fine movie. Yeah. It's not a Best Picture winner. And it wasn't the Best Picture winner in 2011. I hate to tell everyone. It, it was the favorite going in, and I never understood why. Uh, th- that's all, I guess. I won't. I'm not trying to pile on it. But. Freaking Oscars got an Oscar, Mike. They got an Oscar. They got to give the compromise. God, it wasn't win. true grit. Yeah. <laughs> that would have made me lose look, my I mean, mind. True grit is fun. That's the Oscars movie. Coen's brothers. Yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's the typical. It's a John Wayne remake. It's the Coen brothers. It's Jeff Bridges. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I guess it's time to uh, to break it down and get into the spoiler section for Toy Story Three here. Let's do it. Spoilers ahead. 
Ah, here we go. There should be a little hole ah, under the switch. Little hole. Got it. So reset your Buzz Lightyear. Insert paper clip. Rex, use your finger. Ah. Okay, now what? Uh, all right, let's see. Caution. Do not hold button for more than five seconds. It's not my fault. Bitácora espacial. Me he despertado del hipersueño en un planeta extraño. Estoy rodeado por criaturas extrañas y desconozco sus intenciones. ¿Quién anda ahí? ¿Amigo o enemigo? Ah, uh, amigos. We're all amigos. Me debo de haber estrellado y se me ha borrado la memoria. ¿Han visto mi nave espacial? We gotta switch him back. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for Toy Story 3 as part of the Pixar Rewatch series brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on this episode. Go watch it. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back. If you've seen the movie already, if you want to hear our thoughts, or if we piped up the spoiler section so much for you that you can't go another minute without seeing it, this is where you want to be. It's all spoilers all the time as Mike, Mike, and Oscar brings you the spoiler section of Toy Story 3 as part of our Pixar Rewatch series. The way we start all of these spoiler sections is Mike is going to run down one of the Pixar rules to screenwriting success so this is rule number 20 mike out of the 22 we're gonna do two rules for toy story 4 these are not math jokes these are just things that are because there were 20 <laughs> it's not enough we got one rule one to away. make up yeah yeah we're gonna have to double up on something i figured double up on the last right movie. Rule number 20, Mike, is an exercise. You finally get homework in these 22 rules at the end end of it. It says, exercise, colon, take the building blocks of a movie you dislike. Mm. How would you rearrange them into what you do like? Now, I don't know if they disliked The Great Escape, Steve McQueen movie, mm -hmm. but they certainly based this act two on The Great Escape and loved every second of it. You so ever I seen think it? they love it. I did. It's it's a POW movie where Steve McQueen makes a great escape. <laughs> it's the whole movie. And there's like, yeah, there's people watching. Pretty good. I mean, this certainly is an escape movie, this Toy Story 3 that we're talking about. So I wonder if they watched like bad escape movies like 2008's Val Kilmer, Stephen Dorff picture felon. Or they just hunkered down and streamed the uh, second season of Prison Break. Oh, yeah. They, like, watched season one. It's like, this is great. And they watched season two. And I'm like, this isn't the same show. 2007, Mike. I'm on a list right now on IMDb. <laughs> Rob Schneider, directed by Rob Schneider and Big Stan. That's have, an actual movie? That's an actual movie. We have under, we have Law Abiding Citizen with Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. Somebody saw a script where Rob Schneider was attached to direct. And they were like, I should put money into this? Big stand. <laughs> Good lord. All right. Hearts War in 2002 with Bruce Willis. I gotta stop. But I wonder if they watched like a couple of these bad movies and they chose, all right, well, let's go back to a good movie. Let's make it something we like. But they definitely had an escape narrative in that second act and it really works. If Toy Story 3 was found to be a derivative of Rob Schneider's Big Stan, would you consider this entire rewatch program a joke? I would consider this rule. <laughs> I would consider this rule as something true. Yeah, yeah probably a good point. Uh, a couple more screenwriting principles that I wanted to highlight. 
showing us the end of the line early on in the story with the garbage being taken out, Mike. That not only foreshadows what we're promised, yeah. essentially, in the end. we got to reckon with that. But it also shows us that garbage gets crushed and killed. And if the toys are in that bag, that's it. They're done. So would you consider that a Chekhov's garbage truck there? Chekhov's garbage truck, 100%. You also get Chekhov's garbage man, Michael, who in, again, a Screen Rant video that I watched, had a skull shirt on. It's this not dude. Sid. It's not Is Sid. it Sid? It's not Sid. As they, a 17-year-old garbage man. They debunk it in, uh, in on the IMDb page. I'm glad they, we, they say it's not. I'm glad we watched different videos. <laughs> well, I'm just reporting what IMDb says. Yeah, IMDb reports that. They, they ask if it is. Yeah. Or at least they say, well, you're saying the garbage man at the very beginning, when they first see the garbage it's truck. It's the same garbage man at the beginning and the end. Because the one at the end that IMDb says specifically is not Sid. They say it's a different person, though. It's the same person because okay. he's doing. That's I know. I'm just they're lying. lying. I'm just we reporting. Know lying. I'm just reporting because <laughs> the fact that it's the same. It's supposed to be the same garbage man because now the the they know the toys at the end, which is brilliant setup by the way. The guy who's singing the crazy song with the headphones, that that garbage man is going to take them back on the route to Andy's house. Otherwise, they can go anywhere. Sid would be in a psych ward, right? Sid is dead. Sid, Sid wasn't long for this world, in my opinion. <laughs> Sid blew himself up. I mean, years he's got the story of these toys talk to me. Oh, you think he was? And nobody, nobody guy. believes him, right. right? I don't know. Nobody believes him. But getting back to the screenwriting point, I love when movies come full circle, and I think for all the bad we talk about the Cars trilogy, the plots anyway. They did this, and I really appreciated it in Cars 3 when they had the trainer and they were laying the groundwork how Lightning had to take the role, the trainer role, and train his trainer, essentially, to make her use of the outdoors and stuff. And that actually came full circle. Uh, to me, I, I can't, it just doesn't seem hard to do to lay these little, not even Easter eggs, but these groundworks of things that are coming, co going to come full circle and come yeah. back into play in the finale. And I just appreciate when scripts do that. And you're right, Toy Story 3 does it in a billion different ways. Hey, I figured out why Cars 1, the screenplay, bothered me so much. Yeah. Spoiler-ish for Cars 1 right now. But they invert the extraordinary and ordinary worlds. Like, the extraordinary world to us is racing, mm -hmm. Act 1 and right. Act 3. Instead, that, that should be Act 2. Like, this movie... Interesting. Uh, connected to this movie. This movie, the daycare is insane. Mm -hmm. And then the whole adventure with escaping to the you know or being trapped into the dumpster and getting thrown at the, that's insane that's terrifying that is your extraordinary world life on the run and then andy's house and bonnie's yeah. house are basically acts one and three cars does this stupid thing where it's this like lull in act two where we're at this goofy well i guess they're crazy maybe that's a psychological thriller cars <laughs> I'm just not giving it enough credit. It's a psychological thriller because everybody in that town is insane. It is Black Swan. Yeah, listen to our Cars episode yet again, I'd say. But Mike, uh, to connect this one more time, the hero's journey is all about the, those changes in setting. And this movie, there's a great video by CalBashir.com on YouTube talking about how the setup, it's a big flashback, intro spectacular where we're reintroduced to all the characters. That's a you know something you got to do in Act One. Yeah. You got a devolved state, toys not being played with. You got uh, an attempt to get Andy's attention, an attempt to get out of the devolved state. You got an inciting incident, which is the snafu of the gang being thrown out instead of being put in the attic. You got them wind up smashed into Act Two, smashed into the extraordinary world daycare. 
So, it, it, fun and games. You meet all the new toys. You got the tour from Lotso. You got tests. Woody escapes. Toys deal with toddlers. Try to escape again for Buzz, and then Buzz is captured. You got Woody learns of uh, Lotso's tyranny from the clown, which is kind of that big sentimental scene mm-hmm. in, in Act 2 that's uh, formulaic. Woody returns at the, for the second half of Act 2. The Great Escape. Must survive the dump. And, of course, you're back to your ordinary world with Andy... He takes you to Bonnie. You got that final act three, big switcheroo, which uh, the t- high tower surprise or whatever. These are all screenwriting principles in a three act structure uh, that that's talked about so often. And like you said, returning to that original setting in a way to finally reckon it with it with all of the lessons you've learned. So as a screenwriter, is it fair to say that Toy Story 3 may in fact be the most formulaic Pixar script that we've dealt with? This one has like pop song for each one of the big screenwriting moments. Right. And I think they're all bangers. So like when I see the break into Act 2, like they're literally dumped onto the floor of the daycare. Right. And they have that break into Act 2. Like that's brilliant. And then it's 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 such an embrace of the cl- formula of the cliche, I guess. Sure. And they they lean into it, and it's that maybe that's why the critic from whatever New right, York publication that's, that's a it's like point this I was working is so yeah. overt. But I, I think it's awesome. I, yeah, I definitely think it works. Certainly for a layperson, anyway. Let's get into some heartbreaks and happiness scenes. We'll start with heartbreaks, Michael. Anything that sticks out to you uh, that really made you tickle your. Uh, your emotions. Act one, my God. It's so sad when they call Andy's cell phone and they put it in the thing. Oh, God. That was their... It's an homage to Toy Story 1, too, yeah. because that whole movie is based around this giant plot, this big plan that the toys have to like that's all withheld within Andy's house. And this is them doing the same thing, and it's supposed to work, and it's supposed to be the, the comeuppance moment and the moment for glory, and it just does nothing. You got old Buster in that scene. I end of that fucking sequence. love that dog so much. I appreciated the sticks to realism that this movie did as well. Buster has aged, so has the franchise. Hilarious scene, too, by the way. When he rolls over. Oh, my God, I love that dog. <laughs> when Woody is paragliding, he's not heavy enough to hold the weight down yeah. so the wind does what it wants to him. I, I appreciated those nods to let us know we're still in reality. Then it's pretty heartbreaking in the middle when they realize that they're adrift and they're stuck in this prison, essentially, prison camp. And people have said that this reminds them of Holocaust I themes. I can see that. Yeah. You know, which, I mean, The Great Escape, I think, is, I think it's World War II. I don't know. It's POW, but they are dealing with tyrants. Sure. Lots of hugging bears, a tyrant, gosh darn it. But, I mean, everything in Act 3, end of Act 2, is just ripping my heart out. Woody gets sucked in that dumpster, and then they all try to save him, which is so fitting for this franchise, right. Mike. Woody was Roll the reversal. one trying to yep. save them the whole movie, right? Yep. He was the only free agent saving all of his friends. They all immediately rushed to his rescue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. And it's and it's paid off and played as emotional because it's set up so well because you have all that time invested into Woody being the hero. We have Buzz. So inside the garbage truck now, you have Buzz throwing Jesse out from under that TV that's mm-hmm. about to crash on his head. Oh my Which god. Which turned out to be the best thing that would happen to him because that's what gets us back to Tim Allen Buzz. True. That wasn't me, was it? <laughs> Smelling whatever. <laughs> Thank God for that joke, otherwise I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the dumpster is I mean the, the dump is the hell on earth. Yeah. It's the scariest place ever. How humans 
have wrought such evil. I don't know. <laughs> but you have Woody and Buzz saving Lotso, Mike. That was tough. You have Lotso not pushing the button to, to return the favor. Where's what your a, human now? Wow. What a dick. What uh, a true and true bad guy. So, this is where I'm losing. I am suffocating every emotion I have. Mm-hmm. This is not a good thing for me, this story, because I'm just, I'm honing my repressive powers as, as an adult male. I'm, I'm really holding them back. Because I didn't cry during this rewatch, but good God, I wanted to. Yeah, I was close. When they all hold hands like that at the end. Oh, my God. God. Yeah. Well, now, there's a prank on YouTube of a kid by the name of Justin Wallen. And he pranks his mother by editing the end of Toy Story to where when they're all basically holding hands and it zooms in on Woody's face, that's the end of the oh, movie. Jesus he cuts Christ. to credits and it's like this it's like this piano, this creepy piano, oh, you no. got a friend in me. The mother's like flipping out. They, he lets it go for two days and then he records the dinner table conversation that they're having. <laughs> And the father's already seen the movie, and it's like a big... Oh, my God, it's really funny. It's oh, my God, that's torture. That's evil. <laughs> evil. Man, because that part in the movie, like, I, I'm, I'm, like, on the edge of my seat. I remember watching the first time. It's just the same this time. I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe they actually get out of this somehow. But when Jesse looks at Buzz, hopeless, and is like, yeah. what do we do? Because Buzz and Woody are always coming up with plans. And that look on Buzz's face where he's like, I got nothing. And just reaches for her hand. Oh, my goosebumps! Now, it's not technically a deus ex machina to have the aliens save them. Because the aliens, the whole movie, are like the claw, the claw, right? They've saved the aliens. Mr. Potato Head saved the aliens. You've saved our lives. We are eternally grateful, yeah. To break into that whole problem, Woody literally saves one of the aliens from the dumpster yeah and then he gets pulled in by lotso uh into the into the dumpster and then of course it, it triggers off the whole series of events so it's not a deus ex machina but how do those aliens control anything with their big squeaky see ears? this is where i think our biggest gripe from toy story 2 comes into play because yeah. our biggest problem with toy story 2 at the end how the hell can these toys drive a car well okay that's a fine complaint but the fact that you've already established they can move and operate motor vehicles and giant <laughs> machines i'm more forgiving now when it comes into play it's such a high tension moment that that's how you get out of it because i agree on its face that's absurd that the aliens can control that giant claw it's absurd i recognize it but i don't freaking <laughs> care because i'm so relieved right. it's a wtf moment when lotso gets basically mad maxed onto the front of that truck <laughs> Fury roaded right out to the front of that truck. Close your mouth. Jesus. Yeah. How about a life of eternal torture <laughs> yeah. from Sid who inadvert Sid the garbage man well, who inadvertently You want a fate worse than Sid the garbage. You want a fate worse than death, man. That was the other garbage guy. That was the big burly one. But no. Yeah, that's a fate worse than death right there. Yeah. How about your comeuppance? But my the whole act where Andy gets a chance to play, the whole epilogue rather, when Andy gets a chance to play with all the toys one last time with Bonnie. Number one, I understand why the parents keep glancing over in every wide shot. They're glancing over like, what the hell? Why is is this 18-year-old boy playing dolls with my daughter? I know my wife knows his mom somehow. (laughs) It's alluded to earlier in this scene. Barely. Keep a head, both eyes on this happening right now. This kid's getting a little too animated. He's not going to do well at college. No, no. Andy is in trouble. He's going to come back and pick up these toys, I think, (laughs) like tomorrow. 
So I hope my daughter enjoys it for her time with a mother. It's funny, too, how different it seems when you're, like, a full-blown adult watching this as opposed to, like, a teenager, and you're like, oh, I get it. And, yeah. like, when you're an adult, you're like, this is creepy as shit. But, but seriously, though, that, that is a moving scene. I got the most emotional watching that scene. Oh, you did? I did. See, I, so I, it worked I, on me, and I'm a total hypocrite. You are. And I'm basically all of the nonsense I just said is a defense mechanism against feeling your real feelings. Against feeling my and real this feelings. this is why toxic Again. masculinity is a real thing, and this is why people like you should be shamed into feeling this things. This is an act of repression. <laughs> this entire just bluster. This movie, I don't care how formulaic you say it was, this this movie, not that, you know, not, not that you're saying it's formulaic. I know you do, but you appreciate oh, it I being love formulaic. Yeah, right. yeah. I meant the negative connotation, like the reviewers that say they, that's rotten because of that. I, I don't care. It's just, it's so emotionally manipulative. He's absolutely right, but that's a good thing. Don't you want to go to movies to feel something? I, I totally agree, and I can't believe the movie that made me feel the most of our movie-watching year is Toy Story 3, Mike. And it, it makes us happy, too, because there's a lot of, really, there's a lot of great scenes here. I'm going to rip them off a yeah. bunch, because I know we're getting a little long. That intro is phenomenal. All the callbacks to Toy so, Story 1. Ham, the pig, whatever, he gets the big hammer spot as a thank you to John Ratzenberger for being in every Pixar film, right? That's I, the I, only reason he's like the, the big guy at the end of that. It's Mr. Dr. <laughs> Evil Porkchop to you. The mushroom cloud of monkeys. I mean, the bridge. I love oh, that. Loved it so yeah. much. Uh, when they get to the daycare, new toys, mm-hmm. and they all, someone, it's really Lee Unkrich, his voice being used there. New toys! And they all go <laughs> celebrate, go wild, it's a great gift. You got the, the claw, you got Rex with the dinosaurs, the, Ken meeting Barbie. I love that. I love uh, Ken's dream house, how he's doing the fashion show for Barbie. I love Barbie getting the upper hand on him immediately and playing him for a fool. The Ken Barbie torture R- stuff yeah. is uh, great. <laughs> Ripping his clothing up. Just great. He's strapped down to a paddle and ball. Oh. Perfect. Everything at the daycare, the, in, the toddlers coming in and seeing the toys so scared, and Buzz notices something's not right, and then the kids come in and just start beating the shit out of the toys. I was hysterical. It was horrifying. I hysterical. love how little tiny kids are the most evil menace yes. of the film. <laughs> Basically, they structure the entirety of Act Two. Like the villain is evil because those kids don't know how to play with toys. Yeah, pretty much. Everything at Bonnie's house from the little clown. Flashbacks, so sad who, clown face. Who is it, Roger Moore? Bud Lucky, but yeah. Is, 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 <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm acting. Don't take me out of the scene. Oh, my Timothy Dalton. Timothy yes. Dalton, Timothy I'm sorry, Dalton. not Roger Moore, yes. Are you classically trained? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stay the character. He kills me, the whole movie. And then we have all the stuff with the Triceratops, Kristen Schaal. Mm-hmm. It's just a dinosaur down the street, which <laughs> had nothing, to be Rex, right? nothing. Oh, maybe, I didn't even think of that. It that could be, be true. It had to be Rex, so I just thought, I thought that was brilliant. Mike, I love the telephone on wheels. I love how he was trying to get Woody's attention earlier in the, you know, before... The toddlers come back into that room before Woody escapes. Okay, wait I a minute. That was wait, talk me through this. So, so wait. the telephone on wheels is literally nudging Woody to pick up the telephone. Woody doesn't get it. He's still watching Lotso give the end of his tour. Right. And when Woody gets back there, that telephone finally comes to him again, and that is the oh, mole. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say one of the biggest problems I had was that telephone just kind of appears. I must have been taking notes when he first showed up, so I didn't I realize that. Okay, that makes sense. Though. I thought that was really smart that they put that in. That entire escape, Mike, is... It's beautiful. It's so well done. 
The monkey fight is hilarious. That monkey is the most terrifying being it in is. the history of monkey Pixar. shines right there. Dude, Stephen <laughs> King made a whole horror movie on that, I think. I don't know. I don't remember. But you have Ken and Barbie, the dress-up montage, the torture by ripping clothes, the spaceman disguise, the manual from uh, the bookworm character. Mm-hmm. All the, like, the four parts of that sequence are brilliant. And it's all intercut with the rest of it. Mr. Tortilla Head. Love it. You and have Mr. the Picklehead. You the have pit- Mr. Cucumber <laughs> Mr. Picklehead. It's all brilliant. You have uh, fixing buzz. Don't hold for more than five seconds. They're reading. And they become Spanish. How do you turn buzz. them back? I don't know. That part's in Spanish. Spanish buzz <laughs> is the best thing in any Toy Story movie. It's so funny, and the dancing he does when trying to seduce Jesse when they finally get to safety is just laugh out loud funny. It's when he gets the, the squat and he puts his hands in the air. I'm dying. That creepy baby staring at the moon is like a horror movie good. I love Big Baby, man. I oh love him. He's just, he just wants a home. And then the whole dumpster thing where they got like the Mexican standoff. How did that alien get his foot caught? That's a great question. That's my biggest complaint about this movie. Because the whole third act is so heart-wrenching and it's terrifying and I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm on the edge of tears yep. and it's done beautifully. But the only reason they get there is because that alien got his foot caught and Woody went back to save him. Why does that alien get his foot caught? They're okay with coincidences getting characters into trouble, right? That was last right. week's Pixar, one of the rules that we went over in the Cars episodes. I guess that's how you ra- rationalize it. And, it, it, and they, they want to make you know the opposite happen later where the aliens save. I guess, yeah, yeah, I get that dramatic. Yeah, and I, I guess you can fits. make the case just... that Lotso may have grabbed his ankle because he's, he's right there when Woody opens the, the top of the thing anyway lotso's got ups then I yeah guess, for a crippled bear i know <laughs> I, I, limping I, I, bear the whole movie I, I, it, it did bother me but that's literally my only complaint it, yeah. i had the telephone complaint too but you just explained it away bonnie is alone on the sidewalk yes she's being she's walking to her car but i have a worse scene in the sense that nobody is watching bonnie discover this toy that just fell from the sky <laughs> That's ridiculous. I actually do have another complaint, speaking of parenting. Uh, Now that you brought it up, I forgot about it. But the adults in the Pixar world are the worst adults in movie history. And you just hit on one reason why. If you're in charge of an infant room or a toddler room at a daycare, you're going to know every single toy that's in there down to the spec. You're certainly going to know if you have a Ken with a Ken's dream house and no Barbies there to play with, right? Like, so these people that are in charge of watching these kids walk into the room and they just see all these new toys and have no questions. (laughs) They don't wonder where anyone came from or anything. Like, they're not going to talk over lunch about, oh, did you bring that new box of toys in that, that Andy's mom dropped off? No, I don't know what happened to that box of toys. These adults are forever distracted yeah. and these garbage men have the most impeccable timing ever in a film yes i agree i agree other than that yeah. this is a this is a and masterpiece. i'm absolutely willing to overlook both those things for this movie because it made me feel so many emotions me too i love this movie uh my god the last 25 minutes of this everything to do with the incinerator oh <laughs> saving lasso and holding on to metal and then dropping off and go God damn you, Lee Unkrich. All right. And the look of it. just, just Oh, it looks spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. It, it absolutely holds up now. I mean, we, we talk about things all the time, how eight years has passed, nine years has passed, and you can tell the difference, not this. Looks, I had a hard time taking notes because this movie just looked so yeah, wonderful. it looks stunning. Absolutely. We want to know your thoughts, obviously, about the, the Pixar series in general, but specifically about Toy Story 3, your comments, questions, thoughts, concerns. Uh, did you have as much emotional attachment to it growing up as Mike and I both did? Uh, we want to hear from you, obviously, about that. Anything else we do in the 
MMO Empire. You can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Uh, if you have a couple free seconds, if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes. If you click the five stars, those truly go a long way in helping us out. Michael, some words of wisdom and what's coming next from us for these good people. I'll take the last question first. Okay. That should be wisdom, but uh, I think that's just fundamentals of uh, <laughs> question answering. Mm-hmm. My brain's dead. I take the first part last. <laughs> I think we are going to do Toy Story 4 next. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's happening and uh, we're going to cover Toy Story 4. We're going to do something to put a bow on this Pixar series, whether it's a re-rank at the end of the Toy Story 4 episode, whether it's its own Pixar Awards show. We're going to do something like that. We may do both. We're going to have a production meeting after we hit record or hit end or whatever you do on that. Stop is the is the usually Stop. The... <laughs> whatever you do on that contraption of yours over there. Mike's the tech guy. We're going to figure this out. We got Kill Bill Volume 1 as the next Tarantino uh, movie that we're doing and MMO Weekly with a lot of new movies on the schedule as well. That'll continue for us through the summer and there's a mid-year Oscar race update yeah. I'm, I'm already getting into uh, at the beginning of July as well. A lot of stuff on deck. Any words of wisdom for these fine people? Wisdom? It's tough because my brain is a little dead, but this this is obvious. I'm going to go watch videos of Spanish buzz the rest of the time. <laughs> that's so funny. Yes, that was very funny. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and we will check you out soon. Thanks again, Ryan. See you.